Yo, what's up? It's your girl, DJ Narc. Wow. It is... Wow. It is 12.30. I have to do the Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces video, and I have a nail appointment, and I have to go see my parents, who I haven't seen in, like, six days, so you know they're pissed. But all I can do in this Scorpio moon hell that we find ourselves in where i just told you in the fucking daily not to say anything to anybody and just fucking shut up here i am doing this pod because that episode last night fucked me up yo how do you live most of your life thinking that you're somehow unique and then some fucking show about teenagers drink something in one hour completely dismantles what you thought was your personality what no bitch like i am not just triggered i'm troubled (laughs) if you don't know what i'm talking about or what we're talking about i'm talking about euphoria and the only reason i started watching it like i told you i would is because people kept telling me how much i was like this other character now it is true that on the outside i'm just like that other character maddie in every way But how much of a mindfuck to start watching something because you're being compared to this really empowered, beautiful girl. Just everything about her. On the show, off the show. (laughs) I'm just a super fan. She's amazing. I think her name is Alexa Demi. I'm very late to this party. So those of you who are like, nodding aggressively because you've always been a fan i didn't watch the show because i don't like to really like watch stuff about kids i didn't realize how adult it was i didn't realize it was basically like game of thrones with drugs uh once i realized that i was like yes i'm on board but also why are they 14 like can't they just be 18 but okay anyway i also can't be that adult because the thing that's alienating kids right now is that we are shocked by the fact that these are 13, 14, 15 year olds. But what I like about the show is that the person who really has the worst drug problem is someone who is dealing with grief. And I don't think that we give kids room to feel grief, even though it's an emotion that will knock an adult on their ass. And we have like bills and and rent and like we we gotta move you know we can't fall down but grief will knock an adult's feet out from under them imagine i mean it's that powerful that we have that many responsibilities and we still fall victim to it so hard imagine what it's like for a kid like you know, everything that happens to you when you're a kid is like your whole world. It's, it's like everything that happens takes up all the air and all the 
the, the space in the room. But what if something really bad happens, God forbid? And I think once I realized that that's what the show was actually about, was just a, a, a human being coming of age and her coming of age ritual um, against her will and nobody can save her from it, is through death, is through grief. And what does that journey look like? And, and how does it affect your family? And how does it affect your friends? And, and I thought that would be it, you know? I was like, this is smart. And it, and it made me like kind of kick myself for second guessing Zendaya. Because for the most part, Virgos really pick their projects well. They have, you know, that mercurial intelligence. They know what's good. So I was, you know, shocked. Like, I don't want to watch this show about, like, little kids doing drugs. But, like, why is Zendaya doing this? Because for the most part, like, her performance in Dune was really underwhelming. But I think that's more just about misogyny and just the way society is set up. I mean, if you knew who she ends up becoming or who she is in that tribe in Dune, if you knew who Chani was... um. I don't think she would have been shown to you the way she was. I mean, yes, they show her as this like dream girl in his dreams and it's beautiful and I love it, but she's a lot more than that. Um, a whole lot more than that. And it was a little bit like off-putting to me that they didn't in any way, there, there was no exposition of that. that. That didn't come across at all. And that was bothersome. And I think it's only because she's a girl, she's a woman. You know, um, so I found her performance underwhelming, but I think that within the barriers that she was within the confines of what she was told to do with that role, she did the best she could, you know, um, and unfortunately for someone who has such range as an actor to reduce her for most of the film to this, you know, passing vision, albeit very important vision, but still just a vision. It's it's very one dimensional you know, and bothersome. And I guess within those confines, she did the best she could. But I was just kind of like, eh, you know, so then it's like, you watch that and you're like, I'm not really impressed. I didn't know anything about her before that. I just know she wore like a green outfit that was monochrome. And I was like, I don't know who this Disney kid is, but I'm with it. Um, and then after that, she was just everywhere. And then Euphoria. And I was just like, eh, you know, not interested. Well, Euphoria came out before Dune, but I was just kind of like, no, kids doing drugs. Eh. But I regretted it once I started watching it because once you realize that it's actually a pretty nuanced look at what it's like to be a kid now, you know, the reality, no matter how much we want to stick our heads in the sand, what it actually is like to be a kid right now um, and what it's like at any age, but especially as a child to deal with something as enormous as grief and just, you know, the roads she takes and the roads that she ends up inadvertently dragging her friends down um, and the people they end up meeting because of how she's dealing with her grief. It all kind of, she's the center, you know, of the, of the, the disease that's spreading through their community because she's gone through something so terrible. But what she ends up doing is just really touching people's lives and the, the, the grief in them becomes highlighted as well. You understand what I'm saying? It's like she's walking around with this really 
self-destructive, I just don't give a fuck, this isn't fair, my dad is dead, God forbid, God forbid, like, what the fuck? And anyone that she comes into contact with who's even a little bit vulnerable and has something in them that's caused them deep grief, it kind of activates, you know? And so she's kind of activated everyone around her to becoming aware of, of, of what's going on with them. And I think that last night's um, episode was really like the culmination of that self-awareness. Sit here and, and you, you've been coming to this self-awareness through her experience and then how it touches your lives and then what it triggers in you and what the fuck you had going on in your childhoods and et cetera, et cetera. You've been going through this period, you know, this process, you've been fumbling through it blindly as all children do. And God forbid, as you're fumbling blindly through it, if you happen to be pretty, holy shit. But we're going to get into that in a second. Um, I don't think that anyone will be able to honestly use that like pretty girls get everything or like you can't have sympathy for pretty girls or pretty girls have it the easiest or whatever. I don't think that really works after Sweeney's portrayal of Cassie. I don't think that you can look at pretty girls now after what she, because what she did, bro, I'm like crying inside. Like, why did you do that? Like, as an actor, like, why did you do that? You, there were a million routes you could have taken. You really didn't need to, like, pull the curtain back. Like, it was honestly, like, a little too much. It was, yo, it hurts so bad. <laughs> I've never had a show hurt my feeling. Like, I was destroyed by it. I was sobbing. I couldn't believe what I was watching. And it just like, but we'll get back to that. Hold on, hold on. But the point is what, what she ends up doing through her own unwillingness to hide from what, do you understand what I'm saying? That sounds ironic because, oh, she's hiding through the drugs. No, she's not. She's chosen to face head on that this thing has happened and it's never going to go away. Actually, it's going to get worse because as more time passes, the memories will fade more and more. It's just gonna get worse. She's faced it. And she's faced it to a degree where she's become nihilistic. You know? Uh, th then what's the point anyway? Who fucking cares? So she's there. And what she ends up doing by making that choice to face whatever it is, is that inadvertently she ends up causing these cascades all around her and all these different people where they end up coming to their self-awareness and, and, and kicking and screaming, I might add. They don't want to. Some of them find their self-awareness through a bad dream, like Nate. Some find it through finally seeing themselves on stage, like Cassie. Like me watching Cassie, watching herself like you out there watching Cassie, knowing you were watching yourself, having heard those words come out of your mouth, having been that person, 
being able to trace back exactly the memories where you completely lost your faith in the people around you and it became really fucking clear at way too young of an age that you were fucking alone out here and every piece of shit monster guy just wants to fuck you the old the young the related the not related a nightmare in a constant state of terror but at the same time you have all this pride and you are beautiful and why shouldn't you be but the people around you just keep disappointing you and they keep reminding you that you're not safe at all So you go looking for that safety. It's got to be out there somewhere. You know what? Big strong guy. Broad shoulders. That seems like a safe bet, right? Maybe. If I give myself to this person... What she says is, I'll be loved. What she means is I'll be safe. What you see in the evolution of that character is what happens to women when they can't hide their power we get torn to shreds the thing is it doesn't matter what kind of shirt she wore it would be the same you think it wouldn't but honestly ask any girl who has boobs that big it doesn't matter yo guys think i'm looking for attention when i'm wearing a turtleneck Legitimately, guys will call me out for wearing sweaters. Sweaters. Sweatshirts. When your power comes from your body, it just one day explodes and takes over and you go from being invisible, because children are invisible, because adults are fucked up. But all of a sudden you go from being completely invisible to being on everybody's radar. Women can't stop looking at you. They can't stop commenting either. And the men It's so strange. It's like they hate you. It's like the more every guy around them agrees with them 
and what they're thinking inside about you, somehow that begins to morph into, well, if all these guys are thinking about fucking her and they're thinking about it the way I'm thinking about it, well, it's kind of like she already did it. She's a whore. And God forbid you're out here terrified, alone, and you've got everybody's undivided attention. <laughs> you can't hide what's going on with your body. You're not even really sure what the fuck, when is it going to stop? Is it going to stop? And then what happens when you find somebody in that ocean of terror? Well, you cling to them. <laughs> of course. Especially if you feel safe with them. He moves her into his house. Bitch, I'm triggered. Bitch, bitch. I'm so fucking triggered. Oh my God. My parents, the tax person, and the nail lady, and the Capricorns, and the Aquarians are going to kill me. <laughs> I'm the Tinder swindler. My enemies are after me. <laughs> send bitcoin <laughs> um bro you find some tall adequate looking motherfucker you know fuck drink it smoke it do whatever you gotta do right now and you think to yourself okay that feeling that I've been looking for all my life, that everyone keeps telling me that I have it, right? When you're pretty and you're hot and you got a great body, everyone you meet assumes that everybody else you meet loves the shit out of you. Oh boy, everybody must fucking love you. Oh boy, you must never have a problem with the guys or the girls. You know what I'm saying? And here you are, legitimately, searching in desperation, in the dark, with no light, just for love. You're, you're not even concerned because you're a child. You don't even understand the fucking coliseum full of fucking gladiators that you just walked into that have been fighting it out with each other for 20 years you got 40 year olds looking at you at 15 like they want to kill you bitch why are you looking at me like that i don't even want this you want to trade like what are you mad at all of a sudden you get pushed into this very adult and they got bitches in there like dinosaur, like 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 paleolithic sex in the city, the next turn. What the fuck is it called? Bitch, if I have to look at one more woman whose filler has migrated. 
why do they look like that? They're only 10 years older than me. I was shocked. When they said, when one of the people on the show said, I'm 55, I said, no, you didn't. My mother looks younger than you. My mother, mashallah, is 75 years old. What are you saying? What's going on? No, absolutely not. And is, what is this, what, what's going on with this Vogue thing that, that Kim did? Both things, the, the magazine and the, and the interview, the little YouTube shit was, what is this? Is the new thing like, let's just let our under eye filler get fucked up? Oh, please. If you didn't notice, um, no, I know you noticed what's going on exactly. What's happening? And wait, are we just going to skip over the fact that in the middle of that Vogue interview, she said that she had never felt represented or never felt seen in the media until Selma Hayek and Jennifer Lopez became famous. Y'all are just going to let her sell, let her rebrand herself as a woman of color so she can pimp these kids. And you're going to let her take a bunch of photos mimicking black women in, po- in power poses. You can go back and watch the early seasons of the Kardashians where they constantly refer to themselves as white, 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 white. We're white girls. We're white, white, white. Chloe can't stop saying. Sorry, somebody called me. Bro, you guys are just going to let her rebrand ourselves after they've been calling themselves white girls like all their life. Now, all of a sudden, when it's going to look terrible, the optics are going to be really bad for her to be selling these black children. Now you're going to let her rebrand herself as a woman of color y'all are really with a straight face letting her say in vogue that she never felt represented until she saw Salma (laughs) bitch you better fucking stop it you better fucking stop it and stopping and 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 missing your under eye filler appointments is not the way to get real that's just bad business I don't know what the fuck you think you're doing but you just look tired like it's just like, oh my God, they're so, listen, oh, listen. Do you understand that I don't even need to do the talking? Do you understand the steep drop off in aesthetic, in dressing, in look? Bitch, don't get me started on those ugly gray cars. I can't. No, I'm not doing it anymore. The under eye fillers, I, can't, I have to draw the line somewhere. It was like, Pete's messy. This shit is messy. Your kid. The fucking, the, the coked out look, like all this shit was messy, messy. But honestly, I'm so vain that I have to draw the line at the fucking under eye filler. Enough is enough. I can't talk about it anymore. It's too fucking messy. But I know y'all are not letting her say that she didn't feel represented <laughs> until a half Jordanian Mexican woman and, and a Puerto Rican woman. Became famous. Bitch. The thing is, it's too slick of a PR move. That's, I think, the downfall. Is when things become too contrived. Are you kidding me? Do you think that this man is going to go away? You don't think this man is going to fight you every time you try to sell these kids in any capacity? Because I tell you what. He will. This is never gonna stop being an issue. But this little optics race is interesting to watch. You know, it's interesting. But it's so deeply offensive. Because you can't rebrand yourself as a black woman 
so you can market these children and profit off of them. You can't do it. You can try. Vogue can help you. The machine can help you. I, I see all the brown girl vibes on the cover. I see it. But that's not what you are. And that's not what you've been all your life. And this speaks to the thing that I was talking about last week. And thank you for like the two white girls who didn't get it, who were like, I can't believe you're saying these things about white girls. If you are triggered by the things I said yesterday, then if you're ex- the, the, the last pod, then you're exactly the type of white girl that I'm talking to. If you're nodding your head along with me, obviously I'm not talking about you. Obviously you have a fucking brain and you're not offensive to other people's struggles and religions and fucking cultures. But for the two, you know, women that were triggered by it, like, I hope it gives you hours and hours of enjoyment to be triggered. I, however, getting back to the much, much more important point, because I'm not talking about it anymore. It was enough. The under eye filler is enough for me. You not doing that. Mm -mm. Mm Mm-mm. No, ma'am. No. Get it dissolved. Get it fixed. I bet it's because of, you know, the thing you got in your arm twice or maybe three times i bet that's why because what it's doing is a lot of people who got that can't get the filler because it fucks your shit up and it gets swollen yup it's reacting so if that's what happened oh girl i don't know what to tell you anyway moving forward again much more important cassie bitch When you find a fucking lighthouse in the fucking storm, you think this is it. You think this is for life. You, all I have to do is take this thing, this body that everybody seems to want to grab without my permission and give it to him. And if I give it to him, Because everybody seems to want it, right? He'll give me the thing that I need most. Safety. What happens? (laughs) And why does that girl always pick a Nate? Fuck! It fucked my head up. I was like, yo, they're hitting too many things on the head. Like... (laughs) see because if i had seen it coming in season one that cassie and nate might have gotten together honestly i would have been triggered by just the thought of it and i wouldn't have watched anymore because somewhere in the back of my head even in season one i knew (laughs) oh you know i'm maddie now I always pretended to be Maddie when I was a kid. And obviously in this episode that she tells you that she's pretending too. I always pretended to be Maddie. And I'm Maddie now for real. But it's like I'm 44 and I have a business, Marshall, and a child. And, a, and a, you, you understand what I'm saying? Like now, but back then, oh my God. Oh, I'm such a Cassie all the way through and always like with the crying (laughs) oh my god I laugh at her because I because it's like oh my god (laughs) why am I watching somebody relive my teenage year like what the fuck is going on thank god I went to an all-girls school listen oh 
But it happened anyway, even though I went to an all-girls school. You know the thing where she dates her friends? I did that. Oh, man. Oh, the guy, the guy that I told you about, the Italian guy. Ah, and my Gucci met, remember? I did that. Ugh. But then, like, I ended it two days later. Like, oh, I'm so triggered. Listen, why does the Cassie always, always, always think that the Nate is the fucking lighthouse in the storm? It's always a guy who's pretending that he has it together. And he has like all the outward signs of having it together. Like he obviously works out a lot. He's disciplined. He goes to the gym. He plays a sport. He's like really dedicated to something that he does all the time. You know what I mean? He has like very like um, distinguished like likes and dislikes. Like, but it's all a lie. It's always like that. He always seems like that on the surface and underneath he's like really a mess like he doesn't even know if he likes girls why why is it always that guy yo i'm so fucking triggered like how oh my god it just made me feel so good and so bad at the same time like so good because like (sighs) okay it's not just me but also so bad (laughs) cause like this is the archetype like why does this happen why does the most vulnerable person find the most fucked up predator and attach to it like what the fuck and then when he left her in the hallway I just commented on Jackie's put like a comment on insta Bro, bro, I was already triggered, okay? When Cassie was doing her little, my bo- my body belongs to you. I can't even say it. But I've said it! Oh, what the fuck? I, I was like, I was like trying to process that. And then, of course, on the other end of things now, as this self-actualized adult, feeling every fucking ounce of pain in Maddie's voice on the other side of that door. Like I was trying to deal with that. And then on top of that, he fucking walks out on her. Bro, you were supposed to make me safer, not put me in more danger. What the fuck did you do? And now you're gone? Wait, did you leave? And you know what I said when he walked out the door? I fucking screamed at the TV. I was like, see? Girl, it was never about you. It took me to watch that episode last night to finally 
finally heal that tiny, tiny little part of Cassie that was still in me. Unhealed, raging, pissed, confused, upset. Why? What happened? I did everything right. I loved you. See, to a person that just wants to be loved, you really fucked their shit up if they loved you and you leave them. Because they follow the logic. They really need to be loved, right? It's the most important thing ever to them. But it's also how they love. Because it's the most important thing ever. How could you? How could you fuck that up? That's magic. How could you? How do you walk away from that? It's not even in your best interest. What the fuck? And I swear to God, it was like when the door clicked behind him because it was the carelessness with which, which he did it. He was triggered by his own shit. And she wasn't even an afterthought. To be honest, he's probably relieved. But look what he left her in. The only thing she ever really wanted was love, right? She had it. Maddie loved her. But when you're little and your mom's not quite the way she should be and then your dad's not quite the way he should be. You start to think that maybe that's all you need. You'll go start your own family. And you'll make it the complete opposite. No one ever stops and tells you, hey, there's a million other avenues to find that love. You can find really good friends or a really fulfilling career. You can find other ways to mend that wound. Mend that break. But Hollywood and the sex machine and our hormones and society tells us that there might only be one way out. But what if that one way out isn't stable? What if he's just been pretending 
to be perfect. What if he's a fucking raging nightmare? Violent, abusive, mean, careless, selfish. Never really loved you anyway. What happens when you give yourself over to somebody like that? mind and body and they take it they're they listen none of that lack keeps them from taking every fucking thing you give them oh they'll take it all but they have no idea what they have so as soon as something happens or somehow disturbs them that thing that they've just unconsciously gingerly just kind of been holding in their hand and they go to grasp for something else and it drops he just walked out on her he destroyed her life she was just sitting in a parking lot drunk confused aware that her Sexuality was causing all the problems in her life. Determined to be celibate. And then there's the predator. Poised and perfect. Completely in control. You're lost, you're confused, you're drunk. You're literally the picture of victimhood. You're a drunk, pretty girl in a small dress sitting on the street. I always take the girl's side. My brothers have gotten mad at me about that. My friends get mad. I'm always going to take the girl's side. I'm never going to take a guy's side over a girl. I don't care. Except Amber Heard. She can burn in hell. Johnny Depp's basically a girl, whatever. Women are just <laughs> so vulnerable to that. And I think part of it that hurt my feelings was the realization of how fucking common this little (laughs) archetype was. It hurt my feelings a little bit, you know? That like, that story wasn't mine? Wait, I thought that was my story. Wait! I thought I was unique. No, I'm not unique. Why? What's going on? I thought I was like so dope. 
I thought I was the one who found the fucked up, troubled, completely confused about his sexuality, beautiful, perfect farce. I thought it was just me. I thought it was just me that can look in the mirror and smile. When your heart is breaking. But no. Turns out there's a lot of us. And you know, it makes sense because there were things that happened between Nate and Maddie that just didn't resonate with me. If a guy choked me out like that, I would totally go to the cops. Like, her level of loyalty was was different. It, it, it troubled me. The less and less I started to relate to her and the more and more I started to relate to Cassie. By the time we got to the morning routine, I was like, bitch, I'm out. I've been doing that since I was 15. And boy, does it hurt when they don't notice. There was that tiny little piece left over from all those years. That tiny little innocent victim. You know, why? <laughs> like I gave you myself, why? And it was just, I gotta be honest, it was just always like a dull ache, like, like having a bullet in your heart that's slowly killing you. Tony Stark ain't got shit on William Blake. just always there poisoning your thoughts poisoning your heart why and not even why but just like that that's the new yorker me bro just like that really like that And you know, the thing is, it doesn't even matter if three days later they get back together. That's not the point. It was the carelessness. It, it, it resonated with me. That, that is my problem. That's what I've been stuck on. Why that? Why the carelessness? With something so precious in your care that you asked for that you wanted, that you claimed ownership of over and over again. Bro, why the fucking carelessness? Just like that, you just, yo. And in one second, as it always happens, the wound we are afraid to face Something shoves a scenario in front of us and there is that moment. Boom. Ow. Fuck. <laughs> a piece of shrapnel still in there, huh? 
But in the very next second, the next millisecond, it was pulled out. And that's what came flying out of my mouth. See, girl, it was never about you. Of course it makes you self-centered. Of course it does, because it's all you have to offer, because that's how everybody makes you feel. Of course it's about you. If he doesn't want you, of course it's about you. Because you're... Because you've been told by everybody around you from the moment you turn 14 that you got it. Of course, it must be you. You must not have it anymore. But it was when I saw it from a distance. You know, I was like, oh, <laughs> this, this ain't about you at all. The carelessness, especially, that's what it did. It healed that little bit that I just couldn't make sense of. You know how Geminis are, like fucking make sense. Make it make sense. Fuck this. Like we have, we're such religious people. You have no idea. You know why? Because we believe so deeply in logic. Gemini's are like, make it make sense. You don't think we make sense, but we always make sense. We just make more sense than you do, and you don't get it. You always catch up later, but our logic is supreme. Make it fucking make sense. I believe in a rational world. I believe in a logical world. There is a logical fucking explanation for the fucking carelessness, but it has eluded me, bitch. Eluded me. Ugh. And then I saw him kind of slam that fucking door behind him. And when the door clicked, swear to God, it was like something in my mind clicked. I was like, it was like I started breathing again. Here is this person having a whole life filled with despair and secrets and confusion. Here is a person who pretends to be a man but really has no idea what he's doing. And here's me. Completely vulnerable. Stupid. Naive, super young, trusting, dumb, way too developed. And here's this person that knows nothing, has nothing, except everywhere you take her, nobody can take their eyes off. All your friends are whispering in your ear. She's so hot. But you can tell from the way they're saying it that they think she's a slut. 
Because any girl that looks like that must be. Right? Especially if she is proud of it. But even if she's not. What do you do when that girl puts her life in your hands? And you accept the fucking challenge. Because of course. Because any one of your homies would. (laughs) What then? Because you're a mass of confusion. You don't know nothing about nothing. You don't even really know if you like girls. And here is this completely separate human being. Who now has attached themselves to you. But that's how it feels. It feels like a barnacle in a ship. It doesn't feel like attachment. Because you can't attach. You have attachment issues. And this is what I'm getting at. Why does the really pretty girl looking for love always find the guy with attachment issues? Because the guy with attachment issues is the only one not trying to grope her. He's the only one that maybe even semi-treats her like a fucking human being because everybody else just looks at her like she's a toy. And then after enough people look at you like that, you start to realize that it's a power, that you can use it. And then maybe that guy becomes even more attractive because that shit doesn't work on him, but it does. It's very toxic, but apparently we're not alone. (laughs) Bro, I feel better. I feel worse, but I feel better. not about you and when we're Cassie's age we have no idea that for 20 years we won't know that for 20 more years a girl who's 17, 18, 19, 20 she won't know that it's not about her it's not about how pretty she is It's not about how devoted she is, how slutty she is, or how chaste she is. It's not about how smart she is. But the whole world keeps telling her that it's, that's all it's about. She's gotta be the perfect product, you know? That's her job. And God forbid you're naturally gifted at the work. Baby, you got that body. You better show it. Do you know how many times I've heard that in my life? Why? It's like a scumbag magnet. People keep calling me. It's really weird. I had like three calls and like seven texts come in at once. I'm so confused.
think that women are told from every side that we have to be a product and so we buy a lot of product to perfect our brand, our product. And then we have to put that product on display for sale. And then people come by and squeeze us and prod us and weigh us like produce. <laughs> I'm sorry, I hate it so much. I fucking hate it so fucking much. There's just something so gross about it. <laughs> I hate that women can't wear whatever the fuck they want. I hate that. It drives me fucking crazy. It drives me fucking crazy. And like you think that like Muslim women are like, yeah, we love getting covered up. No. <laughs> we don't love being covered up. We know that it's the smartest thing to do because these fucking animals does not the same thing it drives me nuts that there's like a whole half of the world that can't wear what they want out of legit direct fear of violence but at the same time how am I supposed to be a sellable product if I don't? But if I make myself a sellable product, I also make myself a fucking target. <laughs> Yay! Because you haven't figured out how to filter the customers from the fucking thieves. My enemies are after me. Send money. So you build up your whole identity around being this product because that's what everything tells you and that's what the movies say and the songs say and the makeup the fucking ads and everything else. And everyone around you, you know, every woman around you who has done the work of making themselves a product, they're, you know, they're showing you how it's done. Just get in line, bitch. And so you, and so you give up a part of yourself. You... You trade in a piece of your autonomy, your freedom. You negotiate your integrity. And you play the game knowing that you're making yourself a target, but that you don't really have a choice. <sighs> it's sick. <laughs> and then as soon as you play the game, here comes a real catch, now you're a whore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're too shiny of a product, you, you must have been moved from shelf to shelf quite a few times. And apparently, according to every man that has a podcast, that lessens your value. 
Well, of course it does. If we're a product on the shelf, it makes total sense. Those men aren't talking out of their ass. They're looking at it the way that the world is presenting us to them. That we're a product. Would I want a product that had been passed from hand to hand and had a bunch of thumbprints on the packaging? I don't know. Maybe not. If that's what we were, that particular metaphor would make a lot of sense. You know, like when women start, men start comparing women to cars and shit. Wow. Red flag. Run, run, run. It would make sense. It was a product. But then we give into it. Especially when we're young, because we're stupid and we're confused. And if a movie tells me that this girl was like this, and then because of that she found love, then maybe I'll do that too, because I don't fucking know what to do, and my fucking immigrant parents aren't about to tell me what the fuck to do. They don't even know what the fuck is going on. But it never works, does it? What I kind of was shocked by is how much it resonated with my past and how much like Maddie's vulnerability resonated with my present and just everything about how she is. But it was like this jarring thing also that occurred to me that so many of my friends are still Cassie's. And they just keep hitting their head against that wall, hoping that someone will love them and save them. And they don't know. They don't know that when that's the energy you put out, all you're ever going to get back is innate. All you're ever going to get back is a fucking predator. Because you've cut yourself in the water and said, I, I, I want love. You're saying you want love. That's what you're saying with your mouth. Hello, Pisces season. That's what you're saying with your mouth. You're saying I want love. But what you've done is you've opened a fucking vein in the water. And there's sharks in this water, not Care Bears. You can call it whatever you want. You can say you did it for whatever reason you said. That's, that's what I realized is that everything she's doing is just misplaced. You know what I thought when you walked out the door and she turned around? I thought, fuck, if she had Maddie's confidence, she would be unstoppable. And then, bitch, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Like, oh, shit, I'm here. (laughs) But it also hurt really bad. It hurt on like a societal level. It hurt like deep. Like, why do we do this to our girls? (laughs) We just get like eaten up by this meat grinder, you know? And it's so sad because it's true. The motivation is almost always just like, please help me. (laughs) Everybody is being weird. My body started changing and now everybody's acting like a fucking pedophile and a monster. Please love me. Can you please just like, you know, 
save me. <laughs> and nobody prepares you for how deep the female power is. Nobody sits you down and says, your body's going to change and then every man you look at will never actually be able to look you in the eye again. Not for long. Not for long enough. Nobody tells you when you're 14 or 15 that just the scent of you being in the room is going to make the men in the room produce more testosterone. Hey. Nobody prepares you. Not like they should. And if you're like Lexi and you don't really grow very much and your body doesn't really change, I guess it's not something you have to really prepare for. But what if you're a fucking Cassie? Then what? Because that's the thing. You have to realize the extreme of it. Like, Lexi's very pretty. Rue is beautiful. Maddie's so pretty. But they're still... They have bodies like girls. And, like, it's so funny that I feel like I can finally now harp on this. Please drink something. Because I feel like I never, like, can make as much of a point about this as I want to. Because... I feel like people will think that I'm overblowing it or I'm trying to like show off or something when it's completely the opposite. Like I think for me part of what's so affirming about the Cassie character is like yes, like someone is addressing the fucking elephant in the room that there is a subset of girls that as soon as they hit puberty their body goes nuts and they are like more confused than anybody else. It is terrifying and even your really really pretty friends don't fucking get it because even they are not being treated like you're being treated it's just different and it's so hard to explain to someone who doesn't have that problem because what you sound like is like you're you're complaining about winning the lottery what it sounds like to people who don't have it, it sounds like you're complaining about being like a fucking millionaire or a billionaire. Like it doesn't sit right in the ears. But that's why I find her portrayal so good. Like she's tapping into some real life shit. That is someone who obviously has been hypersexualized. And what I realize about myself is that hypersexualization led to my hyper-independence, which is absolutely a trauma response. But I think my trauma is much more generalized than I ever realized. What did I say when she was walking away? It hurt me, but on like a societal level. Like I think that when I came of age in the highly sexualized American culture, it traumatized me. And I have no idea if I would have been any better off in Pakistan, and I bet you I wouldn't have been. Actually, I don't even have to bet. I know I wouldn't have been. It would have been the same shit, if not worse. So this is not a knock on a sexualized culture. 
because repressed sexual sexuality is way, way worse. It's not that. It just fucking traumatized me. I'm not judging it. I'm just telling you what happened to me. <laughs> not sexualized, sexualized. Listen, I'm a, again, I'm an anarchist. I don't give a fuck. Do whatever you want. Just don't, you know, hurt kids. Like, do whatever you want. Don't, like, rape people, okay? Um, but, like, it just it traumatized me. That's it. And I think that the hyper-independence was a direct response to that because men showed me very early in life their worst side the side that they couldn't control and that was terrifying to see as a 14 year old a grown man that can't control themselves you can see from the look on their face that they can't control themselves it's terrifying it's like they're possessed So, as a result, and this is not like me being in any way like, God forbid, molested or sexually abused. I'm talking about really fucking random situations. Having to hug an uncle here, having to hug someone at the airport, going to somebody's house for a party and the, 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 the girl you're hanging out with, her brother tries to push you into a corner. Like, I'm not even talking about some sort of, God forbid, systemic or like, sexual abuse or something that happened over time i'm legitimately talking about every time i fucking left the house (laughs) it was like some dumb shit happened thus the crow like i told you you know just be so weird that they don't notice that you have d-cup boobs just be weird just be super weird but the hyper independence that's also very, you know, that's the beginning of the, the crow is the beginning of the hyper-independence. The crow is drawing a line in the sand of the American sexual culture and saying, I would like to opt out. The crow is, I would like to be asexual. I would like out of this coliseum with these gladiators. You guys have a good time. I would like to respectfully bow out. I don't want to play this game. And I think what that did long term is it just became a mindset. Like I, j- I don't want anything to do with this marketplace. Which is legitimately actually a battlefield, but it's being marketed to you like a marketplace. And I think that's why online dating has never been for me. I've been trying to opt out of that market my whole life. The last thing I fucking want to do is have a profile opting into it. Fuck no. That sounds like a nightmare. No, bro. No, no. Another avenue through which men can harass you. No, thank you. What? No, bro. No. Facebook's bad enough. (laughs) I don't even look at my Facebook. No. (laughs) Never again. Never again. But that unwillingness to be a part of the market, the battle, the unwillingness to step onto the battlefield, because it's not a fair fight. I think that's what I realized. Like, I can't do this. I'm not equipped. I'm too young. I don't, I don't have anything. I don't know anything. I cannot fight a world of men. <laughs> I'm going to have to bow out of this competition because I'm going to lose. 
And funnily enough, in the show, that's what she gets to. I think I just need to be celibate for a while. She gets there. And funnily enough, right when you get there and you start dressing like the crow, the tortured, quiet, seemingly perfect, capable guy finds you. Because you ventured so far into toxicity with your hyper-independence, who else did you think you were going to run into out there? He's the only motherfucker out there. All by himself in his own hyper-independent, traumatized world. Mm-hmm. That's how you bumped into him. Lonely recognizes lonely. Mm-hmm. Ooh, and the bond you can create. Yes. All the way down to your nerve fibers and the way it rips you in half. When they just decide to leave. But wait, I thought we were out here in Lonelyville together. Wait, wait. I thought, <laughs> I thought we had found love in a lonely place, bro. No, says Nate, as he slams the door behind him, not even, not even giving her a second look. <laughs> that magical creature that would have died for him. He didn't even look at her again. It's not about you, girl. It was never about you. You ventured out into toxicity, thinking you were alone out there and you found someone just as toxic, hyper alone, hyper independent, just like you. And you thought that was compatibility. <laughs> I love it. Nope. That's just two really lonely people deluding themselves. The truth is, there is no way out. If you wanna run the gamut and take a gamble at love, you gotta get back into the fight. Hyper-independence doesn't cut it out here, especially not in Pisces season. But maybe you can find productive ways to become dependent on others instead of just throwing your whole soul at a man's feet. Maybe you can really love your friends and lean on them. Maybe you can come back together with your family and forgive them 
on a real deep level for not being able to protect you. Not teaching you what you needed to know. You can take steps to heal your hyper-independence. Because if you don't, the next time you meet somebody handsome and capable out there in that field of loneliness, you're going to do the same shit. You're going to go from nobody can do anything for me to I'll wear what you want, I'll eat what you want, I'll do what you want. You can fuck me whenever you want, wherever you want, however you want. That's what's going to happen. And then one day, something is going to trigger him. And it's not going to have anything to do with you. And he's going to bounce. Again. So... You have to swim back towards the shore. You have to, ironically, <laughs> you have to stop thinking that nobody can help you. <laughs> How triggering is that? Is it more triggering than the fact that my fucking nail appointment is in two hours? It's not easy to need people and it's not easy to admit that you can't do everything on your own. Especially when you've admitted it to the wrong person and invested trust in the wrong person and invested love in the wrong person and they fucking left you. It's not easy to trust again, even in friendships after your heart has been broken, especially if it was broken carelessly. Flippantly. But it really is the only road back. You're not an island. You cannot function as an island. It is toxic. <laughs> Even if it's successful. And if you want any shot of not getting into some fucking extremo situation with some extreme loner like yourself, all super, super hot girls are actually like super loners inside because of this exact thing that we've just... See, it doesn't even sound right in your ears, right? It sounds like, fuck you. No, because of everything I just said. <laughs> Very alone inside. Very alone. Very alone. Nobody fucking understands. <laughs> it's so scary. <laughs> but then why do you wear makeup? Why do you, why shouldn't I? Whoa. That's what's even scarier is that I should not do things to make it less scary. Fuck. I should be able to walk around naked if I want to. You got to do it. If you keep 
insisting on this hyper-independence and this loner vibe, you're going to keep meeting hyper-independent loners like yourself. Except when men do it, they do it a little bit different. <laughs> when they're hyper-independent, they're so wrapped up in their own bullshit, they don't even know they're being loved. They just want to possess something that they can show the world makes them worthy. It's like a Rolex. You're just a Rolex. And if you already, if they already have a Rolex, this is like funny because guys like that, it's like, if they've never had a Rolex, they'll treat you like a Rolex. If they have a Rolex, they'll treat you like a Lamborghini. If they have a Lamborghini, they'll treat you, I don't know, not there yet. Yet. If you insist on isolating yourself, you're going to meet guys who isolate themselves, like Nate, that have this whole inner life that they can't tell anybody about. And they will use you as a tool against this raging inadequacy that they have for whatever reason. And you become their shield of like, hotness and beauty and 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 like everything that affirms a man like the way a man gets treated when he's with a genuinely hot woman the way other men treat him the way women treat him yo that shit is like a drug you could get used to that i'm telling you that shit is like a drug people treat you different as a man if you got a really hot girl with you a lot different And guys like that, the reason they're hyper-independent and they're loners is because they have this seething, you know, ocean of inadequacy and rage about it and pain and they feel like shit inside and they're so worried that people are going to find out that they're just a piece of shit, right? So they find you wandering around in this hyper-independent, lonely field, the field of hyper-independent loneliness, right? And chase it to the za. <laughs> And they're like, whoa, this is crazy because you're perfect. You're exactly what I need to put up front in the storefront window to keep all the pressure off of me. You are society's mark of my success. Perfect. But what happens if for some other reason unrelated to the hot girl, society starts looking at that dude different? Oh, he'll drop you right away. Because your value and your purpose as a trophy no longer works. You're no longer effective as a shield. Bye. See, once Nate realized that everyone knew that he was gay, of course he threw Cassie away like a fucking cigarette butt. <laughs> of course. That's what you have to understand. You have to find a road back to trusting people, needing people, even if you've been off that road for, I don't know, since puberty, you gotta find your way back. You have to know 
that there are also people out there who understand that, who've been there. People who will understand you, people you can trust. No matter how laughable it sounds, because you know I'm saying it, but I don't believe it. No, I believe it, I promise. It's a hard road. But your alternative, you saw it last night, that's your alternative. Keep bumping into guys like that who will treat you like that and put you in that position and weaken you and weaken you and weaken you and just take everything you got and never even fucking give you a second look. (laughs) That's your alternative. Mm. love you I'm glad we talked about this I think this was really necessary I know we need to talk about Kanye I know we need to talk about Bitcoin (laughs) let me say all the trigger words but not right now I think this STEM player thing that he did is really smart. Um, Often I find that Geminis really get their best ideas, the ones that are the most realistic and will make them the most money when they are pushed into a corner is when their creativity really crystallizes and comes alive. And I feel like STEM player was that move. I think that the media and financially and probably just like the industry and everything, I think it was squeezing him. And he realized that the media is just never going to be a fair narrative. And I think for a moment, maybe he felt hopeless. But thank God, and God is always good, and God's timing is always perfect, and God is always on time. Thank God, thank God, that documentary came out and it reminded him who he is. And he made a very, 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 very good business move. And it will continue to pay him dividends. And more than being a business move, he did something that is very much in the spirit of what he's always wanted and what his mother wanted for him. Which is to be truly free. And I think that's what Kanye is looking for. And I think his struggle is a noble struggle. And on his journey, he has fought many battles and many demons, and he continues to. And inshallah, he will prevail. And along the way, I think we'll be lucky enough to profit and benefit from his intelligence and his foresight. But in the short term, I think the STEM player brought some, I think that particular move, which is a huge move to make, I think it brought him a sense of security, not financially, I don't think he needs that. I think it brought him a sense of security ideologically. 
that I am doing the right thing, people see what I'm doing, and they understand it, and they get it, and they're with it. That's all he's ever looking for. He wants to show you the door and be like, are you ready to walk through this door? Because this door is dope. This door is dope. And sometimes people are like, nah, yeah, we're not ready for that door. And sometimes people are like, yeah, sure, we'll walk through that door. And this time, people walk through the door. All his ideas are this dope. But this time, people got behind it. And I think it's because, like all Geminis, hello, hello, look at this podcast. We're, we're in a very vulnerable but vocal state right now. We, we're hurting or we've been hurt and we want to talk about it. We know that we need to get it out. You know, and I think that he has been really vulnerable. And I think it, I think it did something, obviously trending during the Super Bowl. I think it did something to his fan base. I think they I think it like mobilized them somehow. Like they see that he he's not what he's being painted out to be. And the more you see a narrative try to manipulate it, the worse you feel for him and the more you want to back him and the more you want to support him. So actually what they're doing with this narrative is that they're radicalizing people in support of him. <laughs> And this has always been the, the, the conundrum. This is always the problem, quote-unquote problem, uh, that the government has had with black leaders. You know, I hate, to, I hate to compare him because, you know, their ends were not good, but he is heading quickly towards becoming a, a problem for the national narrative, which puts him on a whole other kind of list. You know, but the, but the problem is always with the black male leaders is that the more you try to denigrate them, the more people see through it and become radicalized in their favor. So the old tricks don't really work with black thought leaders, which is why they inevitably end up getting killed. And I think that what Kanye's figured out is that if he has enough money and enough innovation, he's got his fingers enough in the government and in the federal housing and farming and this and that if he makes himself ubiquitous enough that he can save himself from that fate and and you know we hope so we hope so inshallah we hope so but i think it was the affirmation that that money amount isn't really about the money amount it's about being able to post it and say see i'm not i'm not what people are saying i am I'm actually really, really smart. I know what I'm doing. I'm just 20 steps ahead, so it looks crazy. But, like, I need you to trust me. And I think people buying and signing up, I think it was the trust validation that he was looking for. Like, do my people still trust me, or did I lose them? Have I lost them? Because that's what the narrative keeps trying to tell you. But I think what those numbers did for him is that it reaffirmed to him that like, no, yay, like we're with you. We love you. <laughs> That's the thing, yo, we always loved you because we're not haters. Bro, you're nice. <laughs> you're pro one of them. I'll tell you, li listen, this is just me personal. We're rounded out with this. Madison Square Garden. Kanye standing at the top of an iceberg that's floating from the ceiling. 
all the lights go off, I'm legitimately gasping because I already know it's coming even before I hear the first note. <laughs> Yo, the fucking glacier went up in there. You went to the very top, to the top corner of it. And there was just a single light on him. And he's up there on this floating glacier at the top, at the very pinnacle. Can't tell me nothing. <laughs> Gemini and thumb. You can't fucking tell me nothing. So, you know, my view is you can't, you can't wait until, God forbid, people are dead to give them their flowers and call them geniuses and call them great. Like, he's a living legend. <laughs> and he's alive right now, interacting with the community, doing stuff right here on fucking Insta. <laughs> but he is a legend in his own time. You know how fucking hard that is? And not even just from like the little influencers and the little fucking millennial people or whatever. Like, I don't even mean actual millennials. I'm talking about like what old people think millennials are, which is actually like teenagers. Like, no. Like by the greats. Like people who know. Like by everyone. <laughs> it was like the same way it was satisfying to see Eminem at the, the halftime thing. That shit was really satisfying. Like, yo, yeah. Don't forget. <laughs> Don't forget. This man has always been a problem. <laughs> it was wonderful. But yeah. He's, he's one of the greats. One of the best to ever fucking do it. And he just opened up a whole new door for himself. Based on trust and faith in his talent and his ability. And that's a very powerful thing. It's good. It's good. It gives me like calm and peace inside. It's good. It's the security that I think he needs. And so there you have it. What a ride. Wow. So svelte. Yo, I think that Jared Leto is going to find out I'm talking shit about him because you guys keep tagging me in all his shit. But it's like so true because you guys keep tagging me. Okay, just for five seconds, we're going to talk shit about Jared Leto. And yes, I'm mispronouncing his name on purpose because fuck him. Okay. Mm -mm. He ruined my baby Adam's movie. I hate him. Okay. Listen, this is the funniest shit, bitch. So... People keep tagging me on Twitter in, like, encounters that people have with Jared Leto um, and how their expressions are all the same. Like, everybody who's talking to him is kind of like you can see in their eyes this, like, quiet desperation. And if you're wondering what I mean, watch House of Gucci forward it to his parts and then go look in a mirror and you'll see exactly the look that people have on their face when they're actually dealing with him in real life for some hellish 
completely unimaginable reason this motherfucker was hanging out with Habib the other day. Okay? If you see... Okay, Habib ain't never look lost. This motherfucker always looks like he's on kill mode. Okay? <laughs> kill mode. Like, actual. This motherfucker looks lost. This dude looks lost. You can see in his eyes that Mr. Habib, I will turn you to mince fucking me. I quit fighting because there's nobody left to fight. Was confused. Jared Leto is undefeated. No, this man is a natural walking, talking, killing machine. He is predator extraordinaire. The look in his eyes is, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And you know the look in, you know, wait, you know the look in Jared's eyes? <laughs> wait, Jared is looking at you like, I know, but I'm awesome. He's like, hey, yeah, of course. No, of course. So people keep tagging me in these awkward exchanges that everyone seems to have with him. And every every encounter is just like that one. I just think that one's worth pointing out because it's Kobe. Like I've never seen this motherfucker look anything but hyper-focused. Every time I've ever seen him, his, his stare is like killer, you know, killer Russian stare, like no, he looks genuinely, his eyes are wandering. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck I'm doing in this conversation. Who is this person? What is he saying? That's what Khabib's eyes are saying. And they're also saying, help. <laughs> help me. You know when your friend looks at you <laughs> and you can see in their eyes they're saying, help me? That's, that's how he looks. There's, like, this genuine, like, look of, like, <laughs> get me out of this, motherfucker. Stop taping it and get me out of this, you motherfucker. Like, it's probably, like, one of his friends or something, right? <laughs> oh, my God. Why is he so awful? Oh. And people keep telling him, so now I'm afraid that he's going to find out. <laughs> and then he's going to, like, try to, like, I don't know. The most unpleasant thing that he could do is, like, try to be nice to me. That would be the worst. That, you know, because then you get, like, that's the thing about him. It's like how he gets into these movies. I know exactly what he's doing. It's like he's handsome and he's nice to you and then you can't say no to him. And then you just have to deal with the fact that he's atrocious. <laughs> but not really. Super likable, but also fucking atrocious. Like, it's such a, oh, it's such a dichotomy. It's such a paradox. Oh. <laughs> like, no, I don't need him trying to be nice to me and try to win me over. I like it right where I am. <laughs> the adjuster slash electrician slash i don't know what the fuck whoever's coming to look at what the fuck happened with the fire they keep calling so sorry but yeah i was ranting about jared anyway so <sighs> it's time to say goodbye obviously i love you love you and um up next let's do bitcoin but there is something else we need to do too tomorrow night is the comedy thing but i also think that we need to do like a conspiracy zoom or i can do a conspiracy pod let me know what you think on instagram and 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 very important from now on uh you can really reach out to carolina if you have any sort of like anything business personal whatever it is if you need to reach me and you've been trying to reach me or you can't reach me or whatever it is 
you can reach her because she's now my manager. Okay, great. Love you. I'll see you next week. It's your girl, DJ Dark.